Well, it is a special joy to be with you this morning, and uh, I'm sure you'll have a wonderful time on the Queen's 90th birthday next week. What a special day. I had a birthday this year. Think of that. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I have one every year, but there we go. <laughs> um, well, I want to, uh, by the way, Vicky sends her love. I know many of you know Vicky, and many of the kids know Vicky, so... Uh, uh, she sends her love to you. She's got Messy Church this afternoon. You know Messy Church? She does a lot of children's work today. Every first Sunday, every month, she's busy. So uh, let me turn you, please, to the Old Testament. I'm going to speak to you from a famous Bible passage. It's concerning David and Goliath. You will all know this great story of this victory over this giant. He was tall, I'm tall, but he was taller than me. He was about nine foot six, maybe ten feet tall. Really big man. And um, <clears throat> the story is in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And you have this battle. The Philistines invade uh, Judah. So they are, they are an invading force. They've come onto the grounds of God's people, this, this uh, invasion force. And they have a giant, this man Goliath, who defies and mocks Israel in the name of his gods. <clears throat> he mocks the people of Israel, he mocks the God of Israel. And among the people of Israel, there is no one who is able to stand against him. Um, Goliath was heavily armed. Um, the, at this time, the Philistines were the only ones in this region to have weapons. The Israelis didn't have swords or armor. They only had one suit of armor and one sword, and that was in the hands of Saul. He was, this, he was their giant. He was their hero. And so he came out, he mocked the people of God, he mocked God, and the people of God were terrified. It tells us that, that even Saul was greatly afraid in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. Their knees knocked, they trembled, and they were ready to run and hide, and give up the fight. That's an interesting principle. We could say that people of God have a victory if we fight. If we don't fight, how can we have a victory? But if we fight, the victory is already ours. Well, so everybody was terrified then. David was not in the army. He was a young man. He may have been 16 or 17 years old. He didn't look fully grown. He wasn't a full man yet. He didn't have broad shoulders. He didn't look muscular, not like me. Not yet. And uh, thank you. That was not so funny. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, David was a, they call him a stripling, you know, this, this youngster. So he wasn't in the army, but he had brothers in the army. I think two or three brothers in the army. And one day his dad said to him, take some 
Wensleydale and bring it to your brother. Some cheese, would you believe? <laughs> Take some cheese. And so David left the sheep. He went to um, the brothers. And while he was there, he heard this mockery from the mouth of Goliath. And he spoke to his brothers. And he asked, what's going to happen? Who's going to get the reward? What's going to happen? Whoever will be the, the champion of Israel who will fight this man. And David speaks as if not the people of God are in trouble, but as if Goliath is in trouble. David looks at Goliath and says, my, you're in trouble. Why does he think like that? Because David has been out on the mountains, he's been meditating in God's word, he's been loving God, he's been walking with God. Later on we'll see it in the same chapter. When a bear came or a lion, he just fought them by faith with the strength which God supplies and he knew God would strengthen whoever had faith. So he thought, who's the lucky man who's going to fight him? It's fascinating, this, this, this intimidating, mocking figure, Goliath, comes to mock you, to defy you, and he's so big, he's so strong, what can you do? But you see, the eye of faith looks at him and says, my, you're in trouble. The devil is in trouble. I don't know if you believe that, but the devil is in big trouble. The people of God are not in trouble. We have a wall of fire around us. We are defended by God. I love that. <laughs> you know, if I said to you, look, I live by faith, I have no salary, I'm, I'm just dependent on the Lord's people, I only have one supporter, Bill Gates. <laughs> Now you would say, well, if you've got Bill Gates, you don't need any of the supporters. Now I have one supporter. It's God. <laughs> and he's richer than Bill Gates. You understand? It's not, it's not that we only have prayer to turn to. We have God on our side. And let me tell you, you don't want God as an enemy. You don't want God as your enemy. He's the only one to be afraid of. If you turn to God and put your trust in Him, God is on your side. Your enemies are in trouble. It isn't a question of whose side God's on. Is God on my side? That's not the question. It's whose side am I on? Whose side am I on? Because God's not going to say, well, let's make everything turn around less. God's saying, less, just don't be so self-important. Just get behind me. You'll be okay. So we want to be on God's side. So David talks like this, but he talks to his brothers. And it's very interesting in verse um, uh, 28, it says, Eliab, his oldest brother, <coughs> You know, brothers in the Bible, I don't know if you ever noticed brothers in the Bible, you know, Jacob and Esau and Cain and Abel and all these brothers, they, you, you get this idea that brothers never get on in the Bible. But actually, I think a lot of brothers did get on. And I think probably Eliab 
got on with David. But when he saw David speaking with faith like this, Eliab probably got a bit condemned. He probably felt, he's smaller than me and he's got faith. This isn't good. And he, it says in verse 28, his anger was aroused. He got angry with David. He said, why did you come down here? And who did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness with? I know your pride, your motives. So his own brother mocks him, questions his motives, and belittles him and all that. You've come down to see the battle. Haven't you? So it's interesting that David's enemy here is not just Goliath, it's the atmosphere among the people of God. Even his own brother doesn't say, my, you've got faith, go on. He says, oh, you think you're special? You think you're going to go a long way if you pray hard? We've tried that. And witnessing, it's tougher than you think. You won't get very far. Huh. And people, you can meet mockery even from Christians. And he and David could have said, oh, sorry, I'll go home. I'll leave you to it. His faith could have been quenched. It could have been snuffed out by a word of mockery. And it's very important that we don't mock people with faith. Pray for them. And so David could have given in, but he didn't. He kept saying, this is, this is the reason for all this. God's going to do something. And then David's words are so powerful. Faith has an effect. It's electrifying. When somebody believes God, it's electrifying. And people were talking about David all around. And uh, then uh, people, news comes to Saul. There's a young man there. He's... He thinks Goliath's in trouble. And uh, David says, let him come here. So David comes in. He comes in and the first thing he said, let no man's heart fail because of him, your servant. I'll go and fight him. I'll fight the Philistine. Saul says to David, you can't. You're not able. This is verse 33. You are not able to go against this Philistine. You can't do it. You're a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. David recounts his experience and talks about when he, when he used to, it doesn't just mean once, it means he used to have experiences with lions and bears. Now, I've never been a shepherd but if I was a shepherd in, uh, in Africa, there are no lions in, uh, or bears in Israel anymore except in the zoos. But if you, if you imagine I was a, a, past, a shepherd in Africa and um, I've been living with the Maasai, they have herds. And uh, one of the Maasai, um, one of the manhood um, tests to become a man in the Maasai tribe is you have to kill a lion. 
And uh, I've, I've been among them. I lived with them for a week. And you could see the lion marks on the arm of one man where a lion had bit him. And uh, they went out and killed a lion. We may not like that nowadays because lions are getting a bit rare, rare, scarce. But that's what they do in the Maasai tribe. So if I was a, a Maasai warrior and I, I was out keeping the sheep and a lion got hold of a lamb and got it in its mouth, I think I'd probably say, bon appétit. And look after the others. Why? Because, you know, am I going to risk my life for that little lamb? But you see, David, he not only had this, um, this faith, this tremendous faith, he had this love for his sheep, and he wouldn't let them go. It's um, very remarkable, later on in the Bible, in the book of Micah, Micah was a, a shepherd, I'm sorry, Amos was a shepherd. Amos. Amos was a shepherd, a the book of Amos. Amos was a shepherd. And Amos says, as a shepherd takes out of the mouth of the lion an ear and a paw. And you think, why would you fight a lion for an ear and a paw? It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense unless you can heal it. Now, if, if I think about a, a, a lamb that's so, so damaged, I can't heal it. But the point is, God can heal a life that is way beyond any human hope. And he can build it up from a completely destroyed state and make it whole so that it is better than it ever was in the past. We had a, a speaker named Jay Fallon. Uh, he came to Epsom a couple of times. He's a great speaker, and uh, he was on the streets of Glasgow. His wife did a ladies' talk, and she showed pictures of him before and after. Jay Fallon was a drug addict. He was on the streets of Glasgow, he was destroyed by drugs. And she took a picture before and after he became a Christian. There is one great proof that God is God. It's his power to save sinners who are beyond human help. His miracle power to heal and save. And that's why David looked at that lamb and said, you're worth saving because I can nurse you back to health. When Amos said a paw or an ear, it's interesting. Um, I've been with the dying several times. When I'm with the dying, I learn this. I know, I've been with a man who was in a coma. They say the hearing is the last to go. Keep talking. And they can squeeze your hand communicate or flutter their eyelids or something. I remember uh, being with a man in hospital. He was greatly distressed. He was, uh, he was really almost, you know, so upset. He didn't know where he was. He was confused. And I sat down with him and I read him Psalm 139. It was like pure water from heaven. He became still. 
In fact, everybody on the ward heard my voice. Everybody became still. He could hear. He could understand. Then I prayed for him. And I believe that people can respond and you can't see it. So God is able to take that little response, that little fact that we hear his word, and if we just say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember that man dying on the cross? Remember me when, what a poor prayer. I often think of that prayer, what a pathetic prayer. Remember me. If I said to you, pray for me, remember me, ask God to remember me, you think, okay, what do you mean? not very specific. Do you, want, do you want him to do? Be specific. The man didn't know what to say. He couldn't imagine that in a few hours he'd be sitting there with Abraham and all the others worshipping God. And I think the poor man was, oh, what a wonderful experience. Anyway, we better hurry on. Let's move on. So, um, then he says this, Saul is so touched, he gets this faith, he, he realizes David's going to win. In fact, he probably realized, you know what? Goliath's dead. He's dead. He's as good as dead. Why? Because of the faith in David's heart. And I tell you, when, when Jesus went to Calvary, way before he went to Calvary, Jesus knew he's dead. Satan's power is This is before it happened. Satan's power is finished. He said, on the third day I'll rise again. He saw it. He knew it. Why? Because he's God and he said it is going to happen. And Saul probably realized, my, it, it's over. We've won. Maybe just that little spark of faith. You know what? It's all going to be okay. I don't care where you are in the battle this morning, but you just listen to this. It's all going to be okay. It is. How big is your enemy? Don't worry. It doesn't depend on the size of your enemy. It depends on this. Will you believe God? It's all going to be all right. Just believe God. It's all going to be all right. So, then Saul gives him his armor. You know, this big, he's a big man and David's small and he put, David puts it on, walks like this. He says, I can't wear this. I can't use this. He says, keep it. And the sword, probably a big sword, he said, no, if I use this, he will win. I'm not going to trust in the sword. I'm not going to trust in the armor. Keep it. I'm going to fight with what I'm used to. And he took a sling, this sling. He dressed himself like a shepherd, no armor. I like to think a shepherd has the garments of love because a shepherd keeps the sheep. And that's what took Jesus to the cross, the garments of love, to save precious lambs like you and me. 
And he goes out to meet Goliath. Goliath is, is mocking this little boy who's coming out again with a stick and a stone. He looks so weak. And then David runs to him. It's interesting that um, uh, when, he, when he mocks him, the Philistine uh, mocks him and says, you, you know, uh, you've got nothing, you've got sticks. David contrasts the armor and the weapons. He says, you've got a javelin, he says to Goliath, you've got a sword. But this day, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's my weapon. Not even my sling. You've got a javelin. I've got God's name. I'm going to use that name. And I'm going to give your head to the birds of the air. And he says that all the earth may know, verse 46, that there is a God. You could put a full stop there, but that there is a God in Israel. The God of the Bible is real. And that all this assembly here, and this is why David did this, that everybody in River Church may know, that the Lord does not save with degrees from universities. Not that that's wrong. I've got a degree from a university, but God doesn't save with that. He doesn't save with money and resources. The battle is the Lord's. It is. Whatever battle you're facing, it's the Lord's. So they come to meet. There's a, a little commentary, Hebrew commentary on the Old Testament. And in this Hebrew commentary, it tells us that uh, Goliath was the one who killed Hophni and Phinehas earlier in the book of uh, Samuel. And he killed Hophni and Phinehas who were carrying the ark. And Goliath captured the ark. That's, the, that's written in a commentary. It's 2,000 years old, this commentary. So it may have some truth about it. But the interesting thing is that if it was Goliath, Goliath took the ark and put it in the god of Dagon, his temple. The Bible says that in the morning Dagon had fallen on his face in front of the ark. And then it says that they put him back up and the next night he fell on his face, his head was cut off and his hands. Which is very interesting because of what happened to Goliath. He comes against God and here's David. David comes out of him and he takes a sling. Now it wasn't a sling like, you know, like with a, a catapult. It wasn't that. It was a sling. Now you probably had about, I don't know, maybe half a meter, a meter length. And you imagine. Whew, woof, woof, woof. And you know, this is, this thing, you know that Federer can send it at 130 miles an hour? I don't know how fast a cricket ball can leave a bat. But I know that when you woof, woof, it can go over a hundred miles an hour. And David stood there and he straight into Goliath's forehead. And Goliath, stunned, possibly dead, fell flat on his face, just like Dagon. And then David runs forward and cuts off his head doesn't just stun his enemy 
We want God to reduce the power of sin. God says, no, I don't want to reduce it. I want to break it. I don't want to leave any little bits for you to enjoy and think you can get away with a mixed life. I want to break its power. You've got to want sin dead, not weakened. And so Goliath was dead. Then the people of God rush forward and there you've got it. Now let's just quickly, we've done the story, let's just quickly comment on what it means. What does Goliath represent this dominating huge thing well there are many things that mock us and mock God but here's a list our sins your sins can seem so powerful and your sins are not just things you've done or habits you've got they can be your character your selfishness your impatience then Goliath can be our addictions. It's terrible to see people destroyed by alcohol. Have you ever seen somebody whose life is finished by the power of alcohol or drugs? They're finished. They had a career, but they're finished. And they can't get out of it. They just can't stop it. Addictions, mental addictions, Physical addictions. They mock us. They make fools of us. Demonic powers. Curses. Is there a curse on your family? Is there a, a line going through all your family of curses and unbelief? Things that are destroying the spiritual life out of you. Goliath can be discouragements, all kinds of things. Put it at its simplest. There's a spirit of evil working in this world that is trying to call forth the evil in you. So it's not just out there it's manipulating things in here. So if Goliath's going to be destroyed, Satan's got to go, and I've got to change. Later on, David met another Goliath whom he didn't kill. Not at first. He was slain. Figuratively. That second Goliath was called adultery. Because it's the enemies in us that God really wants to slay. It's me. So the Goliath is this intimidating, cursed power of human sin and evil that cooperates somehow responds. Now who is David? David is Christ, not us. If I said you've got to fight sin, you'd say I can't do it. It's true, we cannot. The only one who can fight sin is Jesus. David is our saviour, Jesus. Now, in the 
you remember David went through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. He's, he's like our Jesus. And we can look at all the parallels. Really, we've done it already. He, garments of love and so on. David is fearless. Jesus is without fear. He fears nothing. Jesus is afraid of no one. He has no worry about the future. Jesus is at rest and peace. He knows he has the victory. And he is the only one. The only difference between, the big difference between this battle and the battle of Calvary is that David didn't suffer. He didn't have a scratch on him. But when Jesus fought on Calvary, he got scarred. Deeply scarred. So, where are we in this? The believer, the army looking on, if you like, the believer looks on at this battle. And we have a choice. Do we believe in Jesus Christ? Now, I know probably all of you most of you are believers already. You've put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't, you do it today. Immediately, Jesus will work in your life the moment you put your trust in him. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him immediately. The direction of your life changes. The tone of your life changes. And God has saved you. You belong to him the moment you put your trust in him. I like to think, wouldn't it be wonderful if the army of the Philistines had all said, come on guys, we're on the wrong side here. Let's all become Israelis. Wouldn't that have been good? Later on, a few did. A lot did. You remember Uriah the Hittite? A general in David's army, a lot of people said, you know what, we're on the wrong side. Let's join his army. And they did. But the point is this, when we look at this battle, we have a choice. Jesus Christ says, I have conquered sin. I have conquered Satan. I have conquered all your enemies. He says, I don't care what enemies you've got, just trust in me you'll see them in a different light. There is nothing too big or too small for Jesus to save you from. Nothing too simple, nothing too complicated. The human heart gets complex. We get tangled, we get knotted. Sometimes you talk to somebody and think, I can't do a thing here, I can't explain it, I can't even understand it. But one thing I know, is if this person puts their trust in Jesus, they will be saved. And something will work in their life from that moment that will begin to sort them out. Isn't that wonderful? You know some people look so lost, and yet the moment they trust in Jesus, something is working that will heal them and make them entirely like Jesus at the end of the process. When I put my trust in Christ, long time ago now, I trusted in him. I got just that touch, that hope, that understanding. My life got that little bit better because I was praying about me. 
and my problems, but somehow the victory of my David got into me. And it was just a touch, and I got on. But then I realized as I followed that I hadn't grasped how wonderful and powerful this was going to be. And even today, I only know a little bit. Because one day I'm going to be there in that glory, shining like the Son of God himself. When I turn to Jesus and put my trust in him, I'm on a journey, I'm starting a journey that's going to end in the likeness of Jesus. But all I know is that when I start the journey, I get the victory over my immediate problems. He will save me. He will give you peace of heart. He'll give you forgiveness of sins. And he'll say, don't worry, I'm going to sort you out. But from the beginning, I assure you, you're mine. And we've got a choice. Will we believe? Or will we hang back? You know, there was another giant slayer in the Bible. There are three, really. There's David, there's Jesus, and there's Caleb. When Caleb was asked, which bit of Israel would you like? He could have said, well, I'm an old man, I fought a lot. Why don't you give me a little cottage by the sea? <laughs> a nice little place where I... He was an old man. He said, wow, you mean I get to choose? You get the, I get the first choice? He said, they said, yes. He said, well, that mountain up there, there's a lot of giants up there. If I took that... Everybody would see what God can do. He seemed to think that the bigger the problem, the more God would be glorified. He saw problems not as a thing to be terrified of. He thought, wow, God's going to be glorified. Let's show people what God can do. Your circumstances are an opportunity for God to be glorified. How will that happen if you believe him? I'm not belittling the problems. I've got a relative dying of alcoholism. He's dying. He doesn't know anything about the Bible. I'm praying for him. I'm letting God get into my heart to pray for him. Is it impossible? Sure. That's not the question. Is it impossible? The question is, will I let God and believe God? It's the same for you. I don't care how complex the problem is. Will you believe God? Let's pray. Let's pray. Now, what's your, what, is, what is the Goliath you're facing? What is it? What mocks you? What intimidates you? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved from hell, that's true, but you'll also be saved from those powers that mock you. What is your Goliath? 
we're going to pray that God will slay the Goliath in your life. We're going to put our trust in Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer. Whether it's a curse, whether it's just some impatience, whether it's some temptation that keeps on coming back again and again, we're going to pray about it. All right? Every eye closed. You don't have to bow your head. You can look up. You lift up your head if you want. We're looking up to the Lord of glory. We're believing. Let's close our eyes. And if you want to believe God, you lift up your hands while we pray. And say, Lord, you bring to him your Goliath. Whatever it is. Or maybe somebody else you're praying for. You bring it. Come on. Make your choice. Will you believe? Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you this morning. By our faith, we open a door for you. It's just that. We do little by believing. Our contribution is so small. But we let you work in us. We let you work through us. Jesus, come in and do great things in our hearts, in our lives, in our loved ones. Jesus, come in. Come into these situations. Break curses. Break the power of sin and darkness. And let joy come in its place. We believe in you, Jesus. We believe that from this day a new tone will come in each heart that believes in you. We put our trust in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know this song, For This Purpose Christ Was Revealed? Do you know that? Can we sing that? Uh, sorry to surprise.